What up, what up, what up? It's your girl, Leah M. Forney, and we are back with another episode of Hey Queen Thrive. Listen, this week's episode is such an amazing episode, another Power Pack episode. As you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and all month long here on Hey Queen Thrive, we have been talking to different experts about your mental health. And so before I tell you a little bit about today's episode, um, I just want to provide you with an update. Your girl just sat for her licensure exam to become a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of Maryland. And so I'm excited about the next chapter in my career as I have been working in the field of mental health for nine years now. I also um, have my master's degree in marriage and family therapy with a specialization in addiction and addictive behavior. And so <laughs> but we're not even going to talk about me, right? We're going to talk a little bit about this week's Guest. And so this week I had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Tamaria Colbert, who is a licensed clinical social worker that specializes in faith and your mental health, right? And so that's what we're going to dive into tonight on this episode. How do we integrate our faith in our mental health? Because you do not have to choose. I tell clients all the time, you do not have to choose. You can have God and still seek a therapist. And so that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Hey Queen Thrive. So stay tuned because we're about to get into this amazing conversation. And of course, you know, I'll be back with my Thriver Nuggets. What up? And we're back with another episode of Hey Queen Thrive. Listen, if you have been listening all month long, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so of course, I'm here with another amazing guest. I got Dr. Samaria Colbert with us. So we are going to learn about faith and mental health today. So how are you doing today, lady? I am doing well. Thank you for having me. And um, and uh, as I was telling her before we logged in, congratulations on all your successes and everything thank that you're you. doing. May God continue to open up so many doors for you, but thank you for having me. <laughs> I appreciate you being here. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Dr. Samaria Colbert. I am a licensed therapist. I've been in the mental health field for a little over 15 years. <laughs> it does not feel like it's been that 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 long. Um, I'm LCSW. I got fully licensed in 2010. and um, started like before I received the mental health field before that. I am the founder of Kingdom Creative Counseling. Um, we are located in downtown Greensboro, published author. I do courses. Uh, and I just love Jesus. How about that? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love it. I absolutely love it. It really does not feel, first of all, and they not they can't see you, but I'm like 15 years, girl, you don't even look that. I know, like it's like, don't practice. No. <laughs> yes, yes, let's see. I'm like, really? Because I've been in the field almost nine. So that's know, it goes by fast though. Like you just, next thing you know, you in graduate school, then you graduate. It's like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> So it really does. It really <laughs> does. I feel the, feel that all the time. I'm like, I've been doing this almost a decade. Like, I know. Man. I don't like to say it because I think it makes me feel old, but I you know. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it, it definitely ages you, but you just right. be like, oh, okay. But then at the same time, it's like, oh yeah, because I'm not new to this. So I'm sure right. Right, right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh God. So I have a question I ask all my experts, and that is in your opinion. What does it mean to be a queen that thrives? Oh, that is awesome. Um, I, that's a huge question. I, you know what? I'm a child of a king. Yeah. 
And because God is, the, I'm a child of a king, that makes me uh, the daughter of a king. And I know, I'm not sure how the hierarchy works, but I'm a queen. Yeah. Um, to me, being a queen that thrives is like living in your confidence, living in your purpose, being a whole boss. Yes. <laughs> businesses, paying bills, you know, being adulting, but walking in the, the authority and the power and the grace and the anointing and, and, and the God confidence that you're supposed to walk in. Yeah. Every day I know that I'm a queen. I always say, I got people who don't agree with me who don't like it, but I'm still a queen. And your opinion, other people's opinion of me, whether you like me, that's good. If you don't, that's your business too. I am unbothered because I am a queen. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I love it. I love that you mentioned your authority and your confidence. Like that is so key because- I had, a, I had a previous guest that said queens understand they position it and they know like we there's just certain things as a queen I'm not I'm not gonna settle for I ain't gonna tolerate I ain't even gonna talk about so I love 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 that so we, we're gonna dive into this conversation about faith and mental health and so the first thing I want to know is how did you even get in the field of counseling like what was that journey like Oh, wow. That was uh, many moons ago. <laughs> um, I, uh, I attended, uh, I used to attend Bennett College in Greensboro, North Carolina. I did not graduate there, but I attended school there. And then while I was there, um, I just began to uh, want to seek God for my purpose, but I also got connected to some really awesome people. Um, I had an opportunity. I was in school, but I was like a business major. Then I was a computer science major, which is a complete joke because me and technology, we didn't, we not really friends. So that was like a joke, <laughs> but I was just doing people told me oh just technology technology yeah, yeah. and then um i got connected to um this organization and i was volunteering and i had an opportunity to um travel to zimbabwe no cost i think i had to pay for my immunizations um and shout out to reverend canty i, I, I still talk to her at least once a month today and um and, and ironically right before that i had taken a sociology class i was originally going to be a social uh after taking that class, I was so fascinated. I, they were talking about women and uh, infant mortality rates in mm -hmm. certain third world countries and all that. And then like literally a couple months later, maybe three months later, I'm traveling to a different country, not the same country that we studied. And it was yeah. like this light bulb moment was like, aha, like you're supposed to be in the human services field. Yeah. I didn't think counseling or anything like that, but I felt like I, I needed to do like, I wanted to do like policy. And, and at that time, the country that we, uh, that we visited, did not have any like human services. They didn't have like a social services, human mm -hmm. services component to what we what we know in America. Yeah. But I just felt like this piece, like this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, so I ended up not being able to return to Bennett. I ended up going to Bowie State and I graduated from there. But that's when I, um, um, my professors were profound. And that's when I learned that um, a human services field, uh, what in the human service, that's very broad. You can say, I'm yeah. human services. Yeah you know how much human service are you doing you know you do so many different things and they really helped me to hone in on like I have really I want to counsel um I want to teach things of that nature and just uh, hearing from their example and knowing and learning like what the different fields were mm -hmm. uh, fields of practice where that's when I was like oh I'm supposed to be counseling yeah uh, I think it was my I don't know am I going on too long mm -mm, <laughs> no I, my senior year I had to do what we call a biopsychosocial assessment and yeah. I remember I talked to a teenage girl um and I'd asked asked her all kinds of you know, really personal questions that you got to ask and, and that the assessment was we got to ask yeah. and I asked her had she been uh, abused and she said yes I had I asked her had she saw a counselor or therapist and she said yes 
Um, but I said, have you ever had a counselor who directly addressed the abuse that she experienced? Mm. And she said, no. So she'd been going to counselors, but they never addressed the problem or why. Her yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was another aha, like ding, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. Like, that's how I started doing. Like I was supposed to be a counselor, but now I'm supposed to be a counselor that focuses on trauma because there, again, mm-hmm. you can do, be counseling, but what is your focus? You know, that kind right, of, right. So long short of it, it was a series of first, not knowing what I wanted to do and just submitting to the process. I believe that God orders our steps yeah. and then he put position me in the right place where it was just like, oh yeah, that's it. And it just fit and it clicked. And that yeah. was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I, I love that because I know when I started in the field, and it's funny, I started mm-hmm. in the field because I wanted to figure out how to fix my dysfunctional family. Like mm-hmm. that was the reason. Right, like, right. Prior to getting in the field, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Like I tell people, my grandmother will say, Leah can debate you underneath any judge table. Like I, that was me. Like people would go to my grandmother and be like, that girl needs to get a law, like the room, lawyer's room. Like she needs to be a lawyer. And I remember being in undergrad, again, doing like you said, doing what people told you, right? I majored right. in criminal justice and I'm like, okay, I'll go to law school. And I remember interning with lawyers and I hated it. Right. It just didn't yeah. fit. Like you were saying, like, it just did not fit. I was sitting there like, this don't look like nothing they got on TV, right? <laughs> like I'm expecting <laughs> to be in the courtroom. I was, And they're like, 90% of their cases, they settle out of court. I'm like, what is this? Like, I just right. hated it. And so then I went back and I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll do nursing. Because then my grandmother was like a CNA and she was like, oh, you know, get in the healthcare field. And again, it's so broad because you think healthcare, you're like, okay, I could do a whole bunch of things. Right. right? <laughs> and I got into counseling because I was like, well, you know, I got this dysfunctional family. Maybe I need to learn how to fix this dysfunctional family. So at first I went to do substance abuse and then what really helped me realize that that wasn't my role was mm-hmm. one of my professors in grad school used to always say it is your client's life anyways like right. they know what they want to do they know the ultimate outcomes for their life they know your right. job is to guide them mm-hmm. to their ultimate solution and that for me was that aha moment like that's what I'm supposed to do I'm not supposed to fix people <laughs> I'm supposed to help them reach their own right yeah end goal their own outcome right. and that was like the thing that fit for me that made me say okay therapy this is what right. I can do that's it. Well, it was crazy. ironic, you know, a believer that I almost considered law school too. Like I took a law class, like two law classes and I aced them. But I was like, dang, this is so boring. And then someone was like, you should go into healthcare. You should be a nurse. You should do that. Right. Cause you know, you always have yeah. a job. I, I thought I was like, no, like the thought of seeing, like putting a needle in somebody, I was just nauseous. So I was like, no, <laughs> I'm just- telling you. People always have an opinion about what you should do, what you shouldn't do, and, and yeah. you know that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. So mm-hmm. after you graduated from grad school, and you got and you decided to become a counselor. What mm-hmm. did you do next? Like, did you go straight into private practice, or what was that like? Oh no! So I I wanted to, but then obviously I went to so undergrad. Then I went to graduate school, and I realized again just had phenomenal professors. I went to Howard University. Um, had this phenomenal um, professors and one of my I didn't know you can do that like I didn't know you can just have your own private practice <laughs> right professors, I think his name was Dr. Lucas as I could not if I uh, remember correctly he was like you know you work for an agency long enough you learn what you're supposed to learn and then you start your own 
And I was like, wow, that's good. I didn't know I could do that. And so, but it's yeah. been, it's been through a process, you know, I didn't, when I started, I didn't have a whole lot. I think I needed more clinical experience. I had clinical experience in graduate school, but I needed more. Um, so I've worked in different fields. I've worked inpatient. I used to work at a, a hospital called Dorothea Dix Hospital back in the day mm-hmm. when that closed down. Uh, I worked at Central Regional, did crisis work. Um, but always in the back of my mind, I want to start my own private practice. Just that no matter how hard I try, the doors would not open up for me. And that's how I yeah. know. Like I always think, okay, God ordered my steps. But if I keep trying to bang down something and bang down something and it's just not, I know it's not going to be easy, but it feels like I'm fighting against the grain. I had to like stop and say, this may not be the right time. Yeah. Um, when it was time, uh, it was actually a few years ago, a friend of mine had invited me. I always had the back of my head what I wanted to do, had the name of my business and everything like that. But she had invited me to her office um, just to help her on a, on a writing project. And then um, and I just felt the peace of God come over me as I was leaving. And it was like, this is the time. This yeah. is the time. And literally I had, I think within two weeks, like I got approved for an office again. This is pre-COVID. Um, mm. got approved for an office. It was like literally right down the street from hers. And when it was time, everything just fell into place. It was still a faith walk. Anytime you start a business for any reason, there's still a yeah. faith, you know. Um, like a, that time of uncertainty. Like, is this gonna, you know, that that little voice in the back of your mind is mm-hmm. gonna fail? Is it really gonna be me? That imposter syndrome sticks yeah. in. Like, yeah. I ain't really gonna do this and break any cycles. Um, but I did and we've been thriving and growing ever since. So <laughs> I, I absolutely love that. So mm-hmm. before we get into this conversation about faith and mental health, when it once you set up shop and you got your practice, how did you figure out what your niche was? Right. Cause that's the biggest thing. Like I, even for me, as I get ready to go into that next career phase as a licensed therapist, that's the biggest thing I hear people ask me all the time. So what's your niche? What's your niche? Which, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so how did you figure out specifically what it is that you or who you were trying to be working with? Oh, that's a good question. So I started off like just doing um, trauma work. But yeah. when I started my own private practice, a true story, like, um, so, okay, the backstory is I always have a, I've always start, studied like um, leadership position, how people are processed into their, whatever it is they're supposed to do. Right. Um, and I always thought like maybe in a second career, once I retire, maybe I'll do like leadership development or something like that. Mm-hmm. So when I started my private practice, I, you know, they say you're supposed to advertise who your niche, your niche is. So yeah. you know, trauma people, like kids, um, teens, adults, I'm your trauma yeah. person or your trauma informed person. Um, when I started my private practice, all these leaders started showing up. <laughs> like wow. people were like, other therapists, entrepreneurs, um, business leaders, uh, probation officers, medical doctors, uh, even uh, ministry pastors, things of that nature, people that, um, um, I'm not necessarily talking about famous people, but people that are in positions of leadership. And then I started, how it came to me was just, those are the people I started serving. And I realized that all the studying I did behind the scenes, it all kind of meshed, like the trauma work and like, all this other d- demographic that people don't really think need counseling. It just kind of fell into my lap. Yeah. Um, and so in my private practice, uh, I still do a lot of trauma work, but I also work with people who are in positions of leadership, in any capacity, faith-based leaders, things of that nature. And, um, and those are my, that they just kind of fell into my lap. And the other reason is that when I was in, um, uh, when I was uh, in uh, working at a clinic, I also realized that the clients that had a faith orientation, um, they would get better a lot quicker, a lot sooner. 
Mm. Um, there's that didn't. So I may have to see. I have clients I saw like five and six years, but if I had a client that had some, like they didn't have to have this, you know, huge, you know, epiphany about God. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I'm like I'm, I'm here for a greater purpose. There is a God, that kind of thing. I would see them probably less than a year, and I had to discharge them because they would get better. Mm. And so that kind of, well, those are like two things. But you know, life tends to lead you into the direction of, of, um, of, of who you're supposed to, to, um. To people that you know you attract the people that have you know that you're supposed to meet you're, you're attracting yeah. people you're assigned to yeah I I absolutely believe in that and I also believe yeah. that success leaves clues like as absolutely you are trusting God to order your steps and trusting his process like he will little by little um lead the clue of like yep this is who you're supposed to work with yep that's what you're supposed to do don't don't go this way <laughs> like keep moving little, little, right. little give it to you so i i love that so i kind of want to shift gears because i really want to dive into this discussion around faith and mental health mm-hmm. and i i really wanted to have this conversation because i was like you know what i hear it all the time i've even had people come to me personally and they'll say stuff like oh i believe in god but i'm battling And I just believe that God is going to, you know, heal. But I personally say all the time, I say the Bible says faith without works is dead. And I truly believe there's a practical side to your faith. You can be praying, but God is is also requiring you to do some practical things. And sometimes that practical thing looks like taking some medication. Sometimes that practical thing may be, let me go sit on somebody's couch for an hour and pack my stuff, right? Sometimes that's what it is. So from your perspective, what does it look like to have faith and mental health? Oh, that's a, a great question. So um, the first thing is to, we kind of, we, we just demystify what people expect. Um, one, the Bible says that in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, yeah. I believe it was in Isaiah, the scripture talks about he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. His, um, but it also talks about, so I've got the wrong scripture. It talks about how God came to save the brokenhearted. Brokenhearted is not just talking about like your physical heart condition. A broken heart is actually like your heart has been broken. Yeah. Um, for captive, captive was not just for um, people that are physical captive it's like you can be captive in your mind you can be gone mm. through you can be captive for any reason so um there's faith scripture there's scriptures that that justify and solidify and and push us to the direction of seeing a counselor um i try to explain to people like what it looks like in a sense of it's not church like i literally see you hear me talk about god a lot but i see people all different walks of life yeah um, they are not like you know that they have no atheists like people who have no orientation about god like people yeah. are not just there because i'm just you know the christian therapist you know <laughs> right right it's not, it's not going to be the same as like going to see your pastor or going to church like i'm not you know we're not sitting here you know um, having a, you know tons of scripture not going to be music playing not going to be praise and worship mm-hmm. it is really talking about um, our feelings and emotions and how it is different is that we incorporate your faith. And I think that one of the things that we do in traditional mental health uh, training is that we don't understand, we are taught to understand the mind, the body, and how they uh, work together, but we're not introduced into the soul or yeah. how that impacts you or um, how your faith can help to solidify and heal you and even have you have a, uh, a, 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 um, a better outlook on life. <clears throat> um, and so it looks, 
on the outskirts, it may look the exact same way as traditional mental health. Like in our organization, we do accept insurance. I mean, we do an assessment at your beginning, but yeah, how yeah. it may be different is that instead of maybe doing cognitive behavioral therapy, we may incorporate Christian cognitive behavioral therapy. Or we may talk about, you know, so this regular meditation, we may talk about meditating on what, <clears throat> um, on, you know, on, on scripture or meditating yeah. on what God has to say about me. Or um, knowing that I have, I'm here for a greater purpose, um, <clears throat> and that God does have a purpose for me, and that He loves me, and all those kind of things. And so we just incorporate that in our discussion, in our dialogue, and um, and how that <clears throat> plays out. And we just incorporate the mind, the body, and the spirit, yeah. as well as the soul. Like the soul is the is the seat seat place of our emotions, and so we incorporate that into. Um, the actual counseling sessions, but it's not going to be the same. I mean, people, you know, it's not going to be what you think. You know, a lot of people yeah. think, oh, it's a, it's a you know, uh, it's going to, they don't know what to expect. They think, yeah, Bible's out. No, no, <laughs> not that, not that problem with y'all not read my Bible, but still, it's not going to be like, it's not going to be like that. Yeah. And I love that because I think that in, in my experience and in, in being in the field, I think there is a place for spirituality in counseling. Like, I really truly believe that. Now, I don't be- think that a therapist should like, project their own spiritual beliefs onto their clients right Mm -hmm. I definitely think that the client should lead the charge in that aspect but I do believe that there is a place for spirituality especially when you are dealing with your emotional health your mental health right um and so I absolutely love how you incorporate those things Mm -hmm. in a traditional mental health counseling situation because like you said, it, it looks different for everybody, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but I, I love that you were, even with the meditation piece, like I meditate, right? Mm-hmm. I, I meditate, I use the Calm app, but then I also meditate on the word of God. It's still meditation, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? It's still helping me to be grounded and centered and to remind myself of what God says about me in the moment yeah. where I probably feel like, you know, crap, because it happens. Right. So I I, I definitely love that. I love, love, love that. So I have a question. Do you believe that the church has a response to to mental health? And if so, what is it? Because we see we see the shift. Uh Like I do see that there are a lot more churches that are willing to talk about it. Right. um, Compared to where we were before. But I don't necessarily still see if they have a response to it. And what does that look like? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I, I, I think we're, the door's opening. I think yeah. that we're getting better. I think, I personally think we still have a long way to go. Yeah. Um, um, and, and this is my opinion. Some people may, uh, you know, disagree, but I don't think that the church should do everything. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? I think for me, I'm yeah. a part of the church. I have a church home. I have a church family. Yeah. Like you, if I want to go, like I said, if I broke my arm, I'm going to go to the medical doctor. I'm not going to, I love my pastor. I'm not going to go to my pastor to stitch my, like, you know what I'm saying? To, yeah. Yeah. To mend yeah. my arm. Uh, if I need, um, I don't know, something happened to my, to my teeth and I need to see a dentist, I'm not going to leaders at my church to, yeah. to get my, my teeth fixed. Yeah. And so I think that we have to uh, come to the table, so to speak, as people who have the same goal, but how we do it is differently. Yeah. And I think that sometimes people are expecting the church to address mental health issues. And that's not what they're supposed, well, I shouldn't say that's not what they're supposed to. They help, obviously, when you hear the word of God, it increases your faith, helps you with your mental illness. But God trains licensed therapists, such as mm-hmm. ourselves, 
who yeah. do that work and yeah. we should work together and not against one another um when i was growing up many years ago like you didn't see a therapist you didn't go i mean everybody was a devil you know definitely a therapist you know i remember even being in graduate school and, and the yeah. man of God, i was in church and the man like, you don't need to go and pay nobody sit on nobody's yeah. couch yeah this, yeah, that, yeah. That occurred. um but, but i think that the response of the church should see us as not enemies but as co-laborers together, yes. understand that you don't know everything. I think, mm -hmm. you know, this is a controversial topic, but I get, I get, um, I don't, I, I, there's another response of certain churches where they want to counsel you, but they don't want to have training. Mm. They want to go to school. You want to get a certificate in Christian counseling in 10 weeks to uh, deal with mental health conditions. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So we have to work together, not against each other, but we also have to respect our respective roles. Um, but I think the door is opening. I'm seeing a lot more discussion, but we also see a lot of tragic tragedies as well. Like we've seen pastors who left the field. We've seen pastors who committed suicide. Yes. And that continues to happen. So we have to have a different discussion and not just um, the discussion that we have been having. Um, even with COVID, everything has happened with COVID. Yeah. Um, and so many people, so many people don't know what to do. Um, there's a huge shift even in the mental health field that people are calling left and right because they are full of anxiety. Yes. So yes. we can, you know, I would say not condemning people who have anxiety, but teach them, mm -hmm. you know, and say, hey, this is, you know, whoever, this is Kingdom Creative Council, this is the, the a therapist. So, mm -hmm. you know, work with us as opposed to seeing us as an enemy when yeah. we sitting right there in the church. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't, I can go on. But let me yeah. <laughs> I, listen, and I absolutely love everything that you said, because one of the things, even in my own church, I'm like this weekend coming, my pastor has asked me to educate on mental health conditions and what that looks like. Um, because the thing is, and this is a conversation I've had with my, my pastor is the statistic says one in five, that does not discriminate on who that one in five is, right? Yeah. Like, as you mentioned, we are seeing pastors who have walked away from the, the calling. We have seen pastors take their own life. We have seen pastors who have suffered with depression and anxiety. Anxiety and depression have skyrocketed because right. of COVID. Suicide is now the second leading cause of death. So we know right. these things exist. And I love that you say work with us, right? Because again, you God didn't create any of us to know everything. That's right. exactly the reason. <laughs> right. That's the reason why we have specialists. And that's the reason why, you know, right. a physician is different from a surgeon. It, like that's right. the reason why. And that's so I love everything that you said about yeah. that and i think up. for uh, even like for me i, I like for, for my clients that have a real strong face sometimes they don't even they don't even think to to call a therapist until they're in crisis mode or and then we got to spend our first session demystifying stigma or me having yeah. to like give them these like affirmations like hey like it doesn't make you less you're okay and you can so they come like with this guilt and shame but i'm like i'm really like i'm like you know it's like get kind of in between like oh my goodness I don't know if I'm supposed to be here, but okay, I'm gonna try it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like this yeah, guilt that yeah. comes in and to, and to even have to, to speak to that, to address that because they're like, okay, I'm, you know, all right. You know, and it's like, they yeah. still have stigma, that shame that I'm doing something wrong, you know, that kind of thing. And so we, we work and, you know, work with us. It's coming, but you know, it's slow coming. I wish it come a little quicker, but it's, you know, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think if anything, COVID, I feel like COVID definitely shined the light even brighter mm -hmm. on mental health issues. I think mental health issues, especially here in America has always been an epidemic. <laughs> like we've always yeah. had issues. Um, I think that COVID 
if anything, it shined a light even brighter because then the conversation went into the churches and went into the political sectors. Like it went into areas that we weren't having these conversations, right? Like I remember during COVID, Taraji P. Henson did like a whole show around mental yeah. health. And, like, and I was like, yes, we are finally having these conversations because nobody is exempt from it. Like I've had my own personal battles with anxiety and PTSD after going through traumatic experiences. So, and I tell people, cause people will say, but Leah, you're a therapist. And I'm like, yep, a therapist with a therapist. Because yeah, I'm a- Same here, I have a therapist. <laughs> And boy, she amazing. <laughs> Listen, I look, I see mine's in a week. And I tell people all the time because I have I'm listening and helping other people unpack their trauma. Right. So who do I go to? Absolutely. <laughs> to, to unpack mine and theirs because I'm gonna sit on the couch and unpack what I just went through in session, right? So right. I'm a firm but firm believer of that. So my next question is. How, what are, what are some tips that you can give us to help people begin to integrate their faith and their mental health? Uh, absolutely. I think that's good. You know, I first, you know, I, I love the integration piece, but I do think that it's really important to just um, make sure that you are studying. I know that's going to be like a study your craft. Like for me, I know, like I'm not bragging, but I know how to use it. I know how to use a DSM-5. Like, you know what I mean? I know how to do an assessment. And so before I try to, and I, some people may disagree, my, my integration may disagree. So before I try to like try to integrate, I have to know my clinical stuff first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have to work on my own spiritual life, but I have to like really be knowledgeable about what, cause my insurance company's not paying you to pray with somebody. Like that's not how that works. Come on. Like your, your stuff has to be, and at the end of the day, yes, I'm a Christian, but I'm a like I'm a bomb therapist. I know my stuff. Like I know how to diagnose and that, and that's just comes with it. So for me, I, when I first started, I didn't know how it would integrate. I didn't even know what integration was, but I had to submit to the process of learning, continuing education. How do you deal with trauma? Um, how do you deal with, you know, all these different types of things, but I had to know that first, the yeah. integration part came a little bit later as I began to study. So just begin, study your craft, study, um, study, you know, study your craft, learn as much as you can know that you don't have to know everything, but make sure you have good clinical skills first, because that's really what is, is getting you in the door. So to speak, having really, really good clinical skills, have good clinical supervision, have a good mentor, all those types of things. And then as you continue on, there's lots of good integrationists that are out there. I started reading some of their stuff Mm -hmm. and then started attending trainings that way. Sometimes in the Christian realm, it's kind of, it's hit or miss because you have people who don't have a good clinical background and there's different types of counseling, which a lot of people don't know. You can do like pastoral counseling it doesn't necessarily mean mental health counseling yeah so that's different so make sure you have really really good clinical skills first Mm -hmm. and for me I think don't just for me I don't I think you just work in the field (laughs) first um and so that you make sure you're ethically sound you know you uh, we are taught we and this is true you cannot impose your faith onto someone else but if you don't have good clinical skills you don't know the difference between you know integration versus versus imposing and there is a big difference yeah, yeah. You got to meet people where they are. You know, you can't be offended by someone who has a lifestyle or an opinion that's different from yours, but you don't know that until you get down on the field. Yeah. On the field and you work and you, in the field, they're like, oh, okay. Okay. You know what I mean? And it's not like, oh my goodness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I love that you say that because I think knowing your own personal biases is definitely 
um, big in the field as a clinician, um, because you will, you will come across that client <laughs> that, you know I mean, does things a little different than you do, doesn't believe what you believe, and it, it will challenge you. You know, right. it will definitely challenge where you stand clinically, but even as somebody that's a believer, it will challenge you, right? right. And so how do you, how are you able to still successfully mm. and effectively do counsel when you're, when you're in that position? Because it will happen. Yeah. And I think for me, I just, I learned to meet people where they are. Like, I, yeah. I you know, I've gone through my own stuff. It's meet people where they are. Um, and that just comes from, you know, just doing the, doing the work and being in the field. Like one thing that we said when I graduated, um, like you don't have to know everything. Yeah. I have to know everything when you, when you graduate, graduate school, it'll come as you, uh, as you go along. Um, but you'll meet people with, and that's the thing people assume if you're a faith-based counselor, you can't see everybody. You, you literally can see anybody, but it just comes with, with time and experience and process. And of course, behind the scenes, I'm always reading, I'm always studying. I mean, you know, I don't have to study for anything, but I always am, am in the position of a student. And yes. if I can anyone that always be in a position of a student, you're always going to have someone who knows more than you, who's more successful than you. Don't be intimidated by that. Don't be intimidated by someone else's, you know, learn from them. Yes. Because to to it's not a competition, but learn from people who you can definitely see this person is successful in the area that I'm trying to be successful at. And then you read their stuff or follow their, you know, whatever they're doing and invest, you know, obviously invest in, uh, you have to do it with your CEUs, but invest in your own craft. And that's how yeah. you person as a clinician. And again, for me, it was, I, it was working on my own spiritual life. Yeah. And I started working on someone else's. You can't, you can't work on someone else's. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be like, I'm going to just do this work now, but I need to work on me in the process. Yeah. Just come that just flows with you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Do your own work. Listen. The Bible tells you a few things. One, to study to show yourself approved, but then also like you you definitely have to, to do your own work. You have to be a partaker in your own healing and your own process before you can try to help others yeah. do theirs. And sometimes that comes simultaneously because I, I tell people, <laughs> I remember when I was going through my grief journey and literally having to be a clinician, grieving the loss of my fiance, while helping every client that walked through my door go through their grief journey. And I'm sitting here like, wait a minute, Jesus, flag on the play. Hello, I'm grieving too. And he's like, yep, but I'm showing you how to support and how to be to others what you need and how to sow those seeds so that it comes back to you. I know that now, but in the process, it was like, hello. <laughs> I'm going through it too. Like how we, right. how you want me to help the people that I'm going through it with? Too? Right. Saying, and it, this is what I do. a God thing. I be saying things, and I remember we said the session. I'm like, oh, that's good. I know, goodness, what? Like, <laughs> and it's like, okay, God, I'll write that one down. That's good. Right. <laughs> Put that one in my notes. <laughs> Listen, I say that all the time. My therapist. <laughs> yeah, like I do that all the time. And, or it's funny, like I'll say something in an interview when somebody interviews me and then people be like oh girl man you said i'll be like yeah what i say I don't even know. <laughs> that's how i know it's god because i tell people anytime i do an interview i pray i'm like lord i don't know what your people need to hear but you right you know so you say yeah, absolutely um, but i love that so before we wrap up i have to ask you looking back would you do anything differently knowing what you know now oh 
But when I do anything differently, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love to ask that question. Oh, wow. Like, dang. dang. Um, yeah, I would. <laughs> what would you do? I wouldn't do my, so I wouldn't do my, my journey um, differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as how I got here, because I think that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. But I think from a, and this is one thing I process through with even with my own therapist is that um, for me, I always struggled with not being as confident in myself, mm. and I would always do with what whatever was expected of me to do because I always thought that this is if someone is telling me to do it, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I realized even now through the process of my own maturing and healing is that I have my own path and I can walk in confidence in my own path. And I don't have to submit, you know, myself to people that have, um, and this is not who have um, ideas of what Samaria should be, what she should do, that's not in line with who I am or what I really should be doing. Yeah. So if I could do anything differently, I, I you know, in one way, I'm like, I, everything happens for a reason, but in other ways I'm thinking, you know what? Like, I, I wish I'd gotten there a little bit sooner, yeah, but everything yeah. happens for a reason, you know? So it's yeah. like, yeah, I wish I got there sooner, but yeah. it still worked out. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's yeah. I, I love that because I think I'm we're similar in that way. Like, I have, I literally probably most of my life and probably except for the last five, six years, so I do, I literally walked what everybody else told me did. So I went to college because right. everybody told me to go to college. I went to, until I got that confidence to be like, you know what? I could kind of create my own path right? <laughs> and not do what grandma and them think I should be doing and just right. do what I believe that God is calling me to do. So I agree. I, I agree with you that it, it still worked out and, I, and worked for your good, but it's still right. one of those like, mm, that's a lesson that I probably should have learned right. earlier in life. <laughs> I wish I learned the lesson. I think over, if I could summarize the lesson of being confident. Like, I wish I learned that lesson a lot, lot sooner. Now I'm confident and I don't really care, but yeah. last I, don't, I don't care what people's negative opinions about me, but I was so like not confident. And yeah. I think that when you're confident in yourself and who you are, and even if you don't have all, it all together, when you're confident, it just things happen a little bit quicker or sooner. Because yeah. this is my space. This is what I'm supposed to do. And let me yeah. boss do it with no apologies yeah. you know you're not confident like i don't know should i should I, should yeah I? yeah because then the imposter syndrome kicks in. That <laughs> yeah yeah i love yeah. it i love it so what do you have next because i know you got there's got to be something there's got to be another book brewing because what do you got going on next yes i there's another book i'm actually working on two books um okay. as of right now um you know, I'm still working on, so I won't tell y'all what they are yet. Um, and of course the main next thing is I want my business to continue to expand and grow. And that's what we're kind of working on. So I'm kind of working on some things as it continues to grow. And I'm like, Oh Lord, what am I doing? These people calling me. And so one of the things I'm I'm, uh, in the process of doing is bringing on, um, um, uh, more of a team yeah. because my business is, uh, is is growing in that direction. So that's kind of the main two things. Uh, always writing projects and I, you know, I do all, all kinds of stuff I'm working on, but <laughs> those are the main two I could think of right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Expansion. I love it. That's the word. So before I let you go, I got to ask, how can we get in contact with you? If somebody wanted to connect with you, how can they reach you? 
Yeah, so uh, a couple of websites. <laughs> my my main uh, excuse me, mom. my main website, excuse me, is www.samariacobert.com. That's my main website, and that's just more about me and over some of the other things I do. My business website for my private practice is www.kingdomcreativecounseling.com, and that is uh, one word: kingdomcreativecounseling.com all together, <clears throat> and um. And you can know a little bit more about um, my private practice. And, um, but there are links to other things like my, you know, if you go to Kingdom Creative Council, you know, there's a link to my website and all, it's all kind of working together. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Dr. Covert, I appreciate you so much, sis, for coming through the Hey Queen Thrive and having this conversation about faith and mental health. Definitely, you guys that are listening know that you do not have to choose, you can have your faith in God and mental health therapists all at the same time. Absolutely. I appreciate you so much. (laughs) Have a good one. Bye. Wow. That was another amazing episode of Hey Queen Thrive. Shout out to Dr. Colbert. Listen, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation about faith and mental health. I think it is such a necessary conversation to have. I think a lot of times people feel like they have to choose between their faith in God and their mental health. And as you learned through this candid conversation with Dr. Colbert, that you don't have to choose, right? You can have your faith in God or your faith in your higher power and still do the necessary work to um, heal, right? From your mental health issues, right? Whether that's your emotional trauma, whether that's childhood trauma, right? And so I absolutely, absolutely love this conversation um, because I, as I learned even in the conversation that you can integrate the two, right? So shout out to you again, Dr. Colbert. Thank you for coming through Hey Queen Thrive and just blessing us with this conversation. And so it could never be a Hey Queen Thrive episode without what? Thriver Nuggets. You know it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about five ways to keep the faith in difficult times, right? Because between COVID, uh, the unjustified, senseless killings of unarmed Black people in America, and just all the stuff that has been happening, right? Even before COVID and now, people's faith has been tested. We are in trying times, right? Even the Bible speaks of perilous times, right? And so how do you keep your faith, right? How do you keep going forward? How do you keep relying on God, trusting in him and his process for your life when life is chaotic? Because let me tell you something, life is going to continue to happen. Hear me, hear me, ladies and gentlemen, life is going to continue to happen. And so how do you, how do we do it? So let's talk about it. So the first tip I have, or the first way is to lean into your faith, right? And so choose to remain faithful when there's no visible finish line and no feeling of relief, lean into it, bear through the discomfort that comes from trusting in what you cannot see. It is not taking a risk. It is strengthening your faith. Okay. So leading into your faith. And when I was, when I was doing this research um, and just reading about the different ways that you can keep your faith in trying times, um, leaning in your faith reminded me of a time in my life where one of my favorite songs by James Fortune and Fire, shout out to them, was live through it. And I literally played that song. (laughs) 
day in and day out. I don't know what it was about that song when it first came out that I just absolutely could not stop playing it until that song became a mantra in my life in a season in my life where I literally had to lean into my faith. Like I had went through a very dark time in my life and one of those storms where it was just like, God, where are you in the midst of this? And the one thing that kept resonating in my spirit during that time was that song, Live Through It. Live through it, right? And the song literally tells you to live through it, to go through it, to grow through it because you can make it, right? If you just pray through it, right? And literally, I kept playing that song just to get through that season in my life because life had happened. I was in a dark place. I didn't, you know, was ready to give up on life. And that was the thing that kept pushing me. That was the thing that helped me to lean into my faith was even while I'm in the midst of this discomfort, even while I'm like, uh, who was it? My boy, Paul, with the thorn on the side. Right. And I'm sitting here like, God, please. I need you to take this from me. And God is like, yep, but my grace is sufficient for you, right? I learned that lesson on how to lean into your faith. Uh, Number two, pray for strength and guidance. So during the discomfort, pray that God guides your steps and keeps you strong. Temptation will sway in and out to mislead and falsely appease you, but pray right through it. Matthew 26 and 41 says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And so when you are going through a trying season in your life, when you are going through a storm, when you are in a place of darkness and discomfort, pray for strength and guidance. One of the lessons that I learned that has helped me on my journey in life and continues to help me is that when I'm faced with a challenging season in my life, right? I always ask God this question. What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me? Because here's the thing that I have learned. When you go through trying times in your life, it's not to punish you, right? It's to grow you and to develop you, right? So I have learned to shift my focus from woe is me, why is this happening to me, to, okay, God, if I am experiencing this in my life, what are you trying to teach me? Because there's something that I may be lacking that he's like, yeah, I need to grow you up in there or I need to develop you in there. And so I got to put you through this season of difficulty in your life to, to get what I need out of you. And so pray for strength and guidance. Number three, remain planted in good soil. So when you feel the struggle heavy on your back, bury yourself in more good soil. And so what does that look like? Surround yourself with loving friends. Pop into a church before starting the day, read the Bible, put some encouraging messages where you can see them, attend service, watch an online sermon, ask someone you love to pray with you, or meditate on positive thoughts. So when you are going through a difficult season, get planted, get, get some roots, right? That's what the church folk would say, get some roots, right? Um... And do all of those things. Do a combination of things. Listen, the Bible is clear. Some things come by prayer and fasting, right? And so when you are going through situations in your life where they are totally out of your control and you need to keep the faith, sometimes it may mean getting back to the basics. And that basics may look like I got to pray more, 
right? I might need to read my Bible more, right? Listen, I know I'm not the the only believer in the Bible in the in the gospel of Jesus Christ that doesn't always read their Bible. Come on now, I know I ain't the only one, right? So sometimes when God puts us in seasons of difficulty, it might be his way of saying, it's time for you to get back to the basics. Listen, we all wear min- millions of hats. And sometimes while we wearing the millions of hats and navigating all that we navigate through, we sometimes forget the father, right? And so he has to allow life to happen to get us back to the basics. And the basics may look like, listen, I just need to pray and I just need to fast. You know, I shared in the beginning of, of this episode about how God just put me through a three-day fast, right? And I hadn't fasted in years, to be honest, I had not fasted in years. I'm talking about one of those good up, turn down your plate fast, right? Not, no, I'm going to come off the social media for a while, those kind of fast, but literally one of those turn down your plate fast where God was just like, listen, I just need you to fast for three days and let me reveal some things to you. And I promise you, I came out of that fast better with my faith stronger, with my roots more deeply planted, um, in good soil because I just went back to the basics. So sometimes that looks that that helps you to keep your faith. Number four, remember that God is in control. Even in our worst circumstances, know that God has a plan and a purpose for every situation. Psalms 37, 23 to 24 says, The steps of a man are ordered by God, and he delights in his way. Though he fails, he will not be overwhelmed, for the Lord is holding his hand. So know that no matter how bleak things look, God is working out your situation for his glory. Listen, bottom line, period. Every situation that we go through is for the glory of God. Every situation. Listen, I think it was T.D. Jakes who did a whole sermon that said, nothing you went through shall be wasted. When I tell you God will use every situation in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, Every situation, even the parts of you you don't want the world to know exist. Every situation, he will use it to get his glory. I'm a listen, I'm a witness to it because there are parts of my story as an author that I promise you I've been like, God, no, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to write about that. I don't want to. And God is like, Yep, I need you to reveal that part of you. I need you to talk about that part of you. Even here on Hey Queen Thrive, I've talked about things that I would never talk about. And guess what? How I know God is in control and he gets the glory out of these things is because the minute that I am obedient and I, and I do what he called me to do, then the person or the people that need to hear it, then come back to me and say, oh my God, thank you for being obedient and, and doing what he called you to do right in that book, speaking on that topic, whatever the case may be or whatever so that <laughs> I got what I needed. One of the things I tell my clients as a coach is that you are the solution to somebody's problem. And so every situation know that God is in control and he's going to use it. He's going to use it because it's going to bring him glory. Okay. And then the last way you want the number five, the last way to keep the faith when you're going through trying times is practice contentment. Now, listen, I know that that is easier said than done, right? It is hard to practice contentment in situations where you feel like you have lost everything, right? And no one understands what you have gone through better than the Apostle Paul, right? Because one of the things he said was that I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content 
whatever the circumstances. Listen, as someone who has grown in the place of contentment, I too can relate to that statement by the Apostle Paul. I have grown, spiritually grown in the place where I can be content no matter what it is that I'm going through. And I'm going to tell y'all right now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that takes practice. Not only does it take practice, it takes a really deepening your relationship with God where you can get to a place where you can say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours, God. Where you can get to the place where you can say, God, <laughs> if this is what I got to go through to, to get on to get everything that you promised me, then I'll go through it. It takes practice to get to the place where you are truly willing to surrender your will to God's will and know that you serve a God that has your best interest at heart and that he will never, ever put you through something that is not going to glorify him in the end and that is not going to make you a better person in the end. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I know, but it takes practice and it takes truly walking your faith out, having faith out loud, knowing that, listen, I'm come hell or high water. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. And that's literally what you have to remind yourself when you are going through trying times. When you are experiencing uh, issues in your mental health, when you are going through some emotional turmoil, when you are going through, you know, grief and loss, like whatever the situation, the circumstances that you are currently facing, you have to remind yourself, you have to remind your spirit, you have to remind your soul that come hell or high water, I'm going to be all right. I will say this as I'm wrapping up this episode of Hey Queen Thrive, three years ago, This week, I had to literally watch my whole life fall apart. The man that I was that I was going to marry died unexpectedly. Three years ago, I embarked on a grief journey that was very intense, very, very much intense. I was broken, and I promise you, I don't even know why God is leading me to this right now. But I was broken. (laughs) I went. I was homeless. I was struggling. And I literally was down to nothing. And I remember clear as day, God telling me that it's either me or him or it's nothing. Because I had gotten to a place where I relied on everybody else but God. Okay. And I'm just, again, I don't know why God is leading me here, but I'm just going to be obedient. I was relying on everybody else but God. And when I made the decision to trust in God, I never forget it. I cried like a baby. And I said, God, I surrender. I I would rather trust in you <laughs> and know that you're going to bring me on the other side of this thing than to stay where I am. Three years later, three years later this week, God brought me right back to the same place that I left broken. And not only was I healed, not only was I walking in my wholeness, Not only was everything about me different, but the people (laughs) that saw me one way could not help but to be in awe of who God is and how he showed up because everything about me was different. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
but it required me to be willing to surrender. It required me to be willing to keep my faith, even in the moments where I didn't know how this thing was going to work out. Hear me, hear me, because somebody needs to hear this. Even in the moments when I did not even know how this thing was going to work out, I didn't know where I was going to live. Everything about my life has had fell apart. I didn't know where I was going. I literally drove from South Carolina to Maryland, where I currently reside, with $50 to my name and gas. I had nothing, no plans, no nothing. But all I had was the faith of a mustard seed <laughs> and my belief in God that he was going to bring me through this most difficult season in my life. And not only did he bring me through and bring me out, but I came out better than when I went in. And so I want to end it here by letting you know that whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is you are going through, trust in your father, trust his process, trust his timing for your life and know that you will come out better than when you went in. And so that concludes another episode of Hey Queen Thrive. Listen, we've been having some amazing conversations all month of May. Tune in again next week as we uh, get ready to wrap up May's Mental Health Awareness Month. I got some amazing, amazing uh, guests next week. I'm actually dropping two episodes next week. So we have um, one episode with an amazing couple, uh, the Griffins, who are who literally sat down and talked with us about their newest book called When Love is Angry, which um, is literally their personal journey with their marriage and uh, how it was like being married to someone battling mental illness. And then, of course, I'm sitting down with some amazing colleagues of mine, uh, Latoya Chiton and Sarah Harris. We're going to come have some couples therapy conversations and talk about how we can save our relationships. So definitely tune in again next week to another episode of Hey Queen Thigh. Listen, I love you guys. I am praying for each and every one of you. God's got something amazing in store for each and every one of you. And I'm just excited to see all that he does through you and your life. And so this concludes Hey Queen Thrive. I love you. Peace and blessings until next week. Peace out.